0: Your Bibles, if you can, take them and turn with me to the book of Romans. We're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. And good morning to all of you. I appreciate Pastor allowing me to get up here this morning and preach while he's absent. And um, we've, uh, sometimes Pastor will say, well, why don't, I'll say, Pastor, what would you like for me to preach? Is there anything specific? And sometimes he'll just say, you know what, preach what you've been preaching to the teenagers. Uh, kind of share with the, the congregation what you're going over with the teens. So I said, all right. Um, so we're going to do that this morning and um, we're going to look at Romans, and as you can see, it's already up there on the screen, Romans chapter 14, but before we get into that, um, I asked Pastor a long time ago, and, and with the youth group, we have been going through Romans for quite some time. As you can see, we're on chapter 14. We started with chapter one, and we've been working our way, and I'm As I get into it, I'm like, oh, this is good. This is what the teenagers need. This is great. We get to chapter 12. Chapter 12 was the application of living the Christian life. What does that look like? And Paul's writing in this letter to the Romans uh, or to the Church of Rome. And then in chapter 13, he continues the idea of living the Christian life, submitting to government authority, fully putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh, Run after God with all you have. Totally committed to Him. And I'm like, oh yes, this is perfect for our generation. This is perfect for us. Um, and then we get to chapter 14. And before I told Pastor, I, was gonna, I, was, I said, hey, I think I'm going to go through a series with the teenagers. And he's like, have fun with that. And I said, what does that mean? Well, you know, What do you mean by that? There's a little bit of discrepancy there. Uh, he just kind of smiled and gave me a couple books to help me along the way. Um, and I have several other commentaries that I've been looking at. And um, really wasn't ready, though, for chapter 14. Um, This is something that I have now been studying for over three, well, right at three weeks. Um, And I'm still learning and I'm still growing in this chapter. Um, And I get chapter 15 just in the first couple verses. And now I'm studying it more and more. Um, It is something that's very, very interesting um, in our Christian life. And it's one letter it's uh Paul wrote it to the like I said, the Church of Rome, but before we get any further, um, this is this is not going to go over well if we if we don't open in prayer, um, if we don't ask God to help us to open our minds uh, this morning to his word, and so uh, maybe maybe take time to pray this morning before we go any further, Lord, we do love you, we thank you that you are a great God, we thank you, Lord, that you love us, Lord, and that you have always chosen to love us, and that you lovingly sent your Son to this earth to die on the cross for our sin, and that whosoever believeth in you should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we're so grateful for that. And Lord, as we look at your Word, and as we look at just Romans chapter 14 this morning, Lord, when Christ died, He rose again, and when He left and ascended into heaven, He said that He would leave us with the Holy Spirit to help guide and convict us. And so, Lord, as we look at Romans 14, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to walk in the Spirit this morning, to have open minds, soften hearts, Lord, and be led as the Spirit is leading through this Word. In your name we pray, amen. Like I said, we get into Romans 12 and 13, and I was excited. Chapter 14, though, it kind of goes a little bit different way. It says, and while you're running and fixing yourself, pretty much, I'm summarizing, okay, okay? Why you go fixing yourself in chapters 12 and 13. It says now be ready because people are going to have different of opinions. People are going to have different views. And so it kind of goes on to talk about How should we as Christians, when we see people who, as you run the race, and as you start becoming more and more involved in church, and as you become more and more involved in in the Christian walk, and you say, you know what, there's things that I'm going to put on. There's things that I'm going to take off. There's things that I'm going to change about my life. And as you grow in this knowledge, you start to see, hey, you know what? They've been in that church for a long time, and they do that? That was something I wasn't going to do. Or that was something I was going to do, but I just don't really feel led to do that. How do we have this type of communion? How do we have, how are we able to really, truly get along? And then the first couple of verses here, we're talking about in verses, let's just look at one through four of chapter 14. If you don't have the page or if you don't have a Bible with you, it's on our Bibles, page 1597. Page 1597, but in chapter 14, verse one, it says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not To doubtful disputations. For one believing that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despiseth him that eateth not, and let him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. This passage right here continues to go on, and we're going to look at it as we continue to dissect this a little bit more. But it's interesting to see that this were disputations all right disputations is actually what we would say opinions doubtful opinions this is not this is not referring to doctrinal issues theological issues these are doubtful opinions if i have a certain opinion about something that's my opinion and you can agree or disagree and what's sad is, in some areas, our culture today is a canceled culture. If you have a different opinion than me, we're done. Where you can no longer be friends. We can only be friends as long as we all get along and as long as we see eye to eye on every single governmental issue. Then we can be friends. And as you watch and see how that kind of creeps into our churches, we need to be careful. Because there's doubtful opinions in the Bible there's doubtful opinions, there's gray areas. You know, there are certain things that are black and white, who Jesus Christ is, the deity of Christ, the truth of the, you know, the doctrine of the Bible, those kind of things. But there's also those gray areas. This morning, I just want you to think for just a second, what are your convictions or opinions on the Sabbath day? Most of you are here, to, or all of you are here today. Pastor usually says, you know, who's not here? Raise your hand, you know? Um, pastor Rick will say that. So um, all, of our, all of us are here this morning on Sunday. So we would say, okay, the Sabbath day today is what we're observing. But some people believe it to be Saturday and not Sunday. How about TV? What is your conviction of TV? Netflix. Again, I'm just, just think about it for yourself. Disney, Target, dress for you, dress for the pastor, the pastor came in wearing a you know, Hawaiian t-shirt and flip-flops. How would you respond to that? Is that something that you're very convicted about? Sarcasm. Is it always wrong? Is it sometimes wrong? Is it never wrong? What is your view on sarcasm? Food is what Paul here is just talking about. What we eat and what we drink. Certain opinions on what we can and can't do. That are gray areas. What are your personal convictions? What are your opinions on those things? We're going to look at this this morning. The main idea about Romans 14 is to stop judging each other regarding secondary matters of religious practices about food or holy days. Instead, we're to judge ourselves and how our actions are affecting other people. It is more important that we have peace and unity and righteousness than that we exercise our freedom in those areas. Romans 14 verses, again, we just looked at 1 through 4, we see that there's people with more strict and less strict rules in their lives. More strict or less strict. In these areas of application in which views are taken, there are three possibilities. The one is both may be wrong. One may be wrong, or neither May be wrong. Views that fit into the third category, neither are wrong, are the types of cases that we are talking about this morning in Romans chapter 14. Regardless of our difference of opinions, Paul said that God has accepted both individuals. Romans 14, chapter 2, and chapter 3. It says in the last phrase and verse, God hath received him or accepts him. It's interesting because what Paul is writing to, he's writing to, again, the church at Rome, and we have Jews and Gentiles now coming together to worship. A beautiful picture of the children of Israel and how they have all their rules and all their traditions and how they have all these things that are set apart for the Jewish culture, and now the Gentiles are coming into play. They're coming into church. They're worshiping together. They're trying to have fellowship one with another. And the difference that was there among them, they probably looked different, they dressed different, they ate at the different restaurants than other people, than the other local Jews ate. How did they handle it? And here's the writings that Paul says. Doubtful disputations. You know, it's interesting how something 2,000 years ago, almost written 2,000 years ago, and how it is applicable for our lives today. America, we have an American standard of Christianity. American standard of what it looks like, of what a Christian looks like, and what a Christian ought to look like, and, and all these things. And yet now we are becoming a melting pot for other nations, whether you like it or not, whether it's a big you know, political debate of who we let in, that kind of stuff. Whether you like it or not, it's happening. So how should the church react? And I think we should act like Romans chapter 14. I think that we should stand firm on doctrinal issues, but on those gray areas... Agree to disagree. To, to have unity. So, but let's look at God's word. We cannot determine by what is right, by how strict a view is. The Pharisees were the strictest of all, the Jews. Acts 26 verse 5 says, Yet they went beyond the requirements of God in various ways. They questioned even Jesus and his disciples when the tradition of the elders because they did not wash their hands when they ate bread in Matthew 15, verse 2. Not only did they bind what otherwise would have been harmless traditions, they also invalidated the Word of God and rendered their worship vain. Matthew 15, 6 through 9. We must determine what is right by what the Word of God says. How... His word is truth, John 17 17. Example number one is given here in this passage. Again, to apply it to every aspect, it's interesting because as I listed just a certain number of those, like what is your personal conviction, um, after I preached this in the morning service, I had several people come up to me and say, You need to add that in there. You should add this, you know, add these other things in there because these are all, and I'm like, I just said, you know, I want the Holy Spirit to work. I don't want to be specific on one thing because I want us to to be led by the Holy Spirit in our own individual lives. Because we have that power of the Holy Spirit to do that. So what does God's word say regarding eating meat? God has accepted those who eat and those who don't. I have several verses up here on the screen. I'm not going to read them for sake of time this morning, but if you would like to read over them, some of them are already found in Romans, as, as I've already mentioned before. But if we continue in sin, the Bible says, we cannot have fellowship with God, 1 John 1, 5-6 says. But you know what? God has accepted them, so which tells me they're not continuing in sin. God's accepted them. They're eating the meat. Some are, some aren't. But yet God accepts them, so it's not necessarily a sin. Therefore, the fact that God accepts both the individuals means that neither one is practicing in sin. It's interesting because him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not the doubtful disputations. For one that believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs." It's interesting because we think, well, of course they're weak because they're eating the herbs. You know, they're only eating vegetables. They need meat. That's why they're weak. That's why they don't have the strength, okay? If they would eat some meat, they'd be stronger. Um, That's not what it's talking about. Nothing is unclean in and of itself is a second point. I know and am persuaded that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. What was taking place is mentioned again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 25-26. It says, whatever is sold in shambles that eat, ask no question for conscience sake. There were certain people at this time in the market, in order to sell meat, they had to worship or make an, make an altar. As they walked past, in order to go into the market, you would give incense to a false god in order to get their meat, in order to, to, to buy meat. So there were certain people that said, you know what, we're not even going to go to the market to buy meat. We're not even going to buy this certain meat. We don't want anything that has to do with fake false gods. And if that meat might have been altered or in any way or given to a false god, I don't want to partake in it. And there were certain, Christians that, or certain people and Christians that said, you know what, I know that that stone, that idol, has no power over my food. I have no problem with eating something that has been given over to a rock because, you know what, my God is powerful, and I'm going to pray over it, and he's going to bless it, and I'm going to eat it and devour it, and it's going to be, we're good to go, all right? But some people, for their conscience' sake, they couldn't do that. But nothing in itself is unclean. You know, there's a time back before my time where I remember listening to certain people preach about and talk about Like big rim glasses. Remember anybody remember that time where people would preach about big and how that was a sin, big rim glasses, or facial hair, or sideburns, if they were down to this far, this far, And, and if you had, and monks sometimes they argue about whether or not you should have hair on top or only little hair on top, and all this, all this difference of opinions. And really that's just what it is. It doesn't make you more holier or less holier. It's just different of opinions. Eating meat is to be avoided if it cannot distinguish eating from idol worship. 1 Corinthians 8, 7 talks about this also. There were certain people that grew up in this culture. Certain people that saw the power of these false gods. And they said, there's no way that I can partake of that because I've seen it firsthand. And so for them, it was against their conscience. And when brethren were unable to distinguish the eating of meat from worshiping idols, their conscience would be defiled because they were in their mind honoring the false god by partaking of that meat. And for them it became a sin. We're also seeing, though, over meat and what we eat or drink, that we are not to divide or cause others to stumble. Romans 14, 21 says, even though Paul knew that these idols were nothing in 1 Corinthians 8:4, and that the meat was not unclean in and of itself, Romans 14.14, 14, he was willing to abstain from eating so that he would not cause his brethren to stumble, going back to 1 Corinthians 8:13. He told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10.28, but if any man say unto you, this offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake, that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? So here they are, Jews and Gentiles alike, they go about and they say, all right, What's your plans for after church? They say, you know what, we're going over here to the restaurant because we all want BLTs. They're like, what, pork? No way. Okay, no, we're not having BLTs. There's no, we're not doing that. And here, them over here, they say, you know what, I can't believe they're eating those unclean things. I can't believe they're, they're eating that type of meat. Those things that were worshipped to idols or given to idols. And here's what happens. I remember in high school, there was a guy named Corey. Corey was a you know, straight edge, just did everything right, make sure that he did everything right, um, only allowed, you know, we're in high school, only allowed to watch still G movies. You know, we're like, come on, Corey, like mom and dad got to loosen up a little bit one day. You know, like we would just, you know, re- like just make fun of them, that kind of thing. And then finally it got down to the point where we were like, all right, Corey, come on and hang out. And we would realize too, even when mom and dad weren't around, Corey still only watched what he was supposed to watch. I'm like, hey, Corey just rubbed us all the wrong way. You know, no fun. What's the fun in that? You know? But eventually we got down to the point where we said, you know what, we're, we're, we're not going to invite Corey out anymore. Because we'd rather do what we want to do than feel bad about not doing the right thing. So we just stopped inviting Corey. And this is what was taking place here in the church, in the first century church automatically you had people that would just say, you know what, we're, just, we're a click over here. We're just going to hang out because you know what, we all look alike. We all act alike. We all eat the same thing. So we're a click, and here we go. We're all going to go to lunch. And here's a click over here and we're all going to go out this side. And here's a click, and here's a click, and there's a click, And all of a sudden we're doing that within our churches because you know what, here's someone who looks like me, acts like me, dresses like me and talks like me and eats the same things that I eat. So therefore we can now be friends instead of surrendering over some things. Not making things a big deal that really are not a big deal. We are not to divide or cause others to stumble. You know what God wants? Unity. You know what God desires? That we love one another. That we accept one another. On these small bases that we're talking about. Difference of opinions that we can overlook difference whether they're outward, whether it's by what they look like, what they what they eat, what they consume, as long as it's not falling under what is clearly stated in the Word of God. You know, I've even seen it here in our Christian school. We had a family this past year; they're still in our school, but their children are not allowed to drink soda. And the teenagers, some of the teenagers found out about that. And I mean, they just like for the whole day, they're like, oh, you're not allowed to eat soda. Are you kidding me? Like, or you're not allowed to drink. Oh, my word. They're like, you know what? Here, we'll- we have the vending machine over here, you know. And they're like, we'll buy you a Dr. Pepper. You know, like, you just got to try it. It's got 23 flavors. You know, like Dr. Pepper is the best, of course. But um, they're like, you, you got to try it. And-, and I just thought, you know, here's Christian kids at a Christian school. And we've missed what we're supposed to be teaching them. Because really what they should be doing is say, hey, you know what? Good job honoring your mom and dad, even when they're not around. Yeah. Oh, your conviction is that you don't want to drink soda? I'll, I, I, can, I can just completely agree with you or accept you, even though we're different. Instead of, hey, no, no, come on, come on, try this, try this. It was just a Dr. Pepper. It was just a soda. Christian peer pressure. Not real bad, but if they felt bad about it, then should they do it? No. And how often we do that. I, thought, I watched that and I, eventually I, you know, I saw what was happening and I stopped it, but I just said, you know, how, how interesting that is that we do that as adults. And sometimes it's, it's not even what we say, it's how we look at someone. Someone walks in and we just look them up and down and automatically, there we go. How sad that is. Difference of opinions. We're causing division or we're causing someone to stumble. If God accepts them, then why don't we? Why don't you, why don't I accept them? Again, we're not talking about doctrines or the deity of Christ. We're talking about our own convictions. Obeying the Holy Spirit regardless of what others are doing. The example number two that we see, what does God's word say regarding observing days? Again, this is just an application, part of an application But the very first thing that we see is God has accepted those who observe certain days and those who do not. The verse is up there on the the board as well. Romans 14, 5 through 6. But as with eating meat, this was the context of those whom God has accepted as well. They observe different days. We have friends of ours that do not celebrate Christmas. And they're Christians. Can you believe that? I said, what do y'all do? You know, I was curious. Whenever they said, we don't do anything for Christmas, I'm like, no, you're kidding. Like, and, and how long have you been saved? You know, like, what, what, what's wrong then here? But they just don't do it. If you study, like, Ishtar and you study all these other things, like, and you study the, a lot of what we do as that tradition, like, I'm like, oh, I get it. Now, I know just enough to get myself into trouble. We still do certain things, okay? But, but I'm like, it makes sense to me. I understand why someone wouldn't do that. I understand that every day should be a celebration of the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. But it's interesting because they, they celebrate, they give gifts around February 14th, the day in which you show your loved ones how much you love them. So you go out and you buy them all the gifts. And I'm like, oh, okay. As long as someone's getting gifts around some type of year, I'm fine with it, you know? <laughs> But it's interesting to see these things and to realize that we have difference of opinions. We buy our friend, we'll buy them something and send it to him on Valentine's Day. They buy us something and they typically send it around Christmas time. Why? Because we can agree to disagree. We can overlook some things. God has accepted those who observe certain days. The Old Testament even, with its commandments regarding the observance of various days, has been nailed to the cross. Colossians 2.14 talks about that. Could you imagine once you became a member of a, of a traditional Jewish church, how many feasts they had from the Old Testament that they still continue to do? And as a Gentile, you're like, another potluck? I've got to make another plate of food for this other? Like, what are all these days that you guys are celebrating? I love the Lord, but another like I've got to go out and you know sacrifice and do all this other uh, for another potluck, really. And here we're putting to to rest as well that those days regarding the observance of various days has been nailed to the cross. They're taken out of the way. They're nailed to the cross. Colossians two fourteen says, "Therefore they are not required by Christians to observe under the law of Christ." Hey, if you do want to go celebrate more, great, wonderful. You want to have more feasts and celebrate how great God is? Then do it. But it doesn't make you any better. But it definitely doesn't make you any worse. If your conviction is to do it, then do it. Days can be observed wrongly. Galatians four ten 10 through, through 11 talks about that. If it was possible to observe days and be accepted, how? How? could days be observed wrongly? If observing a practical day meant that one was going back to the old law or requiring others to observe it, it became wrong. That's how it became wrong. Making others observe it as well. There is just one day, though, we are required to observe In Acts 20, verse 7, it talks about that. The only day observed by the early church by divine instruction, Matthew 26, 26 through 29. In Acts 20, verse 7, was the Lord's Supper and the first day of the week. Again, what is that first day of the week to you? Saturday, Sunday? Someone wants to go to church on Saturday? Let them. Someone wants to go to church on Sunday? Okay, great. What if they want to go both days? Hmm. Making us look bad. Stop, okay? No, just kidding. All right, keep going, all right? But after examining these scriptures, we see what Paul was used to explain Romans 14. So we, then we ask ourselves, what does God's word say regarding, and then you fill in the blank. When asking this question, we should make the same type of evaluation that we did with the examples given in Romans 14. <clears throat> Again, what does God's word say about clothing, jobs, entertainment, eating habits, etc.? list could go on and on. In every example, we cannot determine what is right by seeing what is more strict. We must consider everything the word of God says on this subject. As a psalmist wrote, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of, the, of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Psalm 119, verse 160. So we look at the word of God. After this, we must follow what the word of God says, even if it doesn't feel right. You know, it's hard to get out of bed sometimes and go to church, but you know what? We could do it, because it's, right, it's the right thing to do. But James wrote, because he wrote, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So follow after the Word of God, even if it's difficult, even if it doesn't seem right. Well, my personality isn't to, and you fill in the blank. Well, you know what? If God tells it and it's black and white, then we should do it. But then following that, after we know and are practicing what the Word of God says, we must carefully not go beyond that in judging others. John wrote in, in 2 John, there's only one chapter, so verse 9, 2 John verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not and the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Which is saying, anyone who goes too far too, and does not abide in the teachings of Christ. We often take that verse in terms of, goes beyond the authorized version or the scriptures. And takes liberty that the Lord did not grant. And that's certainly a, a good way to apply that to this verse. But it is also possible to go beyond doctrine of Christ by binding additional rules upon others, just like the Pharisees did in trying to bind their traditions and commands upon others in Matthew 15, 2 through 9. Which finally gets down to this point, the sin in Romans chapter 14. What is the real sin behind Romans chapter 14? The person with more strict Commits sin by judging and condemning his brother. This is the sin that we notice as in matter of opinion, in which God has not declared one side right or wrong, God accepts them both. Judgment will be by the Lord's standard, John 12, 48 says, not by your opinions judgment comes by the Lord's standards, not by our opinions, and Christ is the one who will judge them. I think that verse is up there. Yes, it is. Romans 10, 14. They will give an account. By doing, the second thing is, with those with more strict, by doing what he believes to be wrong. Talks about in Romans 14, verse 23. And why would this be? Whenever... We do something we believe to be wrong, even if it's just our opinion or our conscience and not a matter of faith. We are effectively working to sear our conscience so that we no longer feel guilty of doing what is wrong. But we have to realize, again, being careful... To do what we believe to do is wrong. Not doing, I'm sorry, what we believe to do is wrong. So we have to make sure, hey, this is between me and the Lord. We believe in soul liberty. We teach that, right? We believe that every person has the ability to hear from God through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be guided and directed, whatever that will is for their life. Whatever God's will is for your life. You know, we we teach that, we preach that, we tell that to our young people, unless it's, and then we fill in all these gray areas with our own opinions. (laughs) And we have to be very careful with that. How about those with less strict views? What is the sin at in there? By regarding his brother with contempt. Paul warned the brother who ate meat and let let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. One version of this or one interpretation as well of this is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. Talking about judgment there. The word content means to devalue or judge in that way, like to devalue them. Well, I can't believe. Well, I, you know, all of these things just think, well, we judge them right off the bat. Goody two-shoe, or I can't believe they don't have these standards as I do. You know, when someone fully really gets right with God, they're going to be wearing that suit and tie, they're going to be coming down the aisle, and they're going to be, you know, we're, now we know they're right with the Lord, Right? Isn't that the mentality that we have, though? Isn't that the the, the principle in some ways that we sometimes get in our mind to think that if someone eventually looks like us and acts like us and does all these things, you fill in the blank, then they finally have arrived. Arrived to what? Your standard? May God help us as we look for unity, as we strive for love. and not to devalue one another with comparing them or judging them in ways that we ought not to judge. Again, Romans 12 and 13, talking about living the Christian life. If you, Again, you can spend weeks on this. Someone told me afterwards as well this morning, they said, we, we need to spend weeks on this passage. And I said, you can spend weeks on this passage. <laughs> this, is, this is a you thing. This is something that I'm still working out. I've called people up this, these past couple weeks and I've told them I'm sorry because I have judged them harshly because they didn't look or they don't eat the things and, and, and put on the same things that I do. And I've had to call them and say, you know I, I what, I'm sorry for that. That's wrong of me. But we also have to realize as well, those with less strict, by causing his brother to stumble, this is where the sin comes in. We need to remember that our opinions, which may be perfectly harmless in themselves, are not part of the Lord's standards. The Bible says in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Therefore, we're not to destroy our brethren by the exercise of our liberties, thus turning what is for us a good thing into something that is evil, Romans 14, 16. Paul reminded the stronger brethren with the less strict views. In Romans 14, 21 through 22, It is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself, and that things which he alloweth. We may be engaged in some particular thing that is not sinful in and of itself, but if we practice or cause our brothers to sin is when it becomes, or a stumbling block is when we become, it becomes a sin. It's interesting because when you look at this, I asked the teenagers whenever I taught them this, I said, how many of you have ever had a what you should and shouldn't post class on social media? You know, no one's ever given a class on what we should and shouldn't post on social media, but Romans 14 is a great Picture of what we should and shouldn't post, even among Christians on social media, parents and teenagers. You know, if I have very strict laws, that's, that's great. Wonderful. Strict opinions, wonderful. Keep them to yourself. Hey, if I have liberty to go do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to post my picture with me eating my big ribeye steak, you know, wonderful, great. Keep it to yourself. Keep it as a saver on your own phone. You don't have to post it. And this is what we're talking about, even in our society today, where we've now become so disconnected among people just by simply what they posted. And all of a sudden, we're saying, wait a minute, I would never do that. I wouldn't go there. And we're judging instead of loving. Amen. This chapter is called for unity. Paul tells us that in Romans 14, 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Let us unite around the word of God and not divide on our own opinions. I have a last slide up there. I have a couple more, but we're going to go to the very last slide. There's point number one, list the main points of this chapter. And I'm going over this and we're, we are almost done. I, I do promise But the main points of this chapter, admonitions to strong and weak brethren. You know, I've realized I'm both. After this study and as I continue to study, strong and weak. I'm strong on certain things and I'm weak on certain things. And you may be weak and strong or whatever. Realizing this, further admonition to strong brethren is what is given. Those that take part in that liberty, no big deal to you. There's more rules and more, I guess you could say, words here for you, verses for you to apply. What is important about, oh, did I skip one? Yes. No. Did I skip one? No. Verse two. Yes. How, How are strong and weak brethren to treat each other? The strong are not to despise the weak. The weak are not to judge the strong. What is important according to verse five? Let each be fully convinced in his Own mind. Be convinced in your own mind. What's your conviction? Then guess what? Do it or not do it, whatever it is. In all manners, in all matters, who is it that we should try to please? Don't put that blank in there. All right? Who is it? Pastor, person to your left and to your right? The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will be the judge in such matters? The person to your left and to your right? No, the Lord. That's who it is. What is important according to verse 13? Not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in other brother's way. Number seven, what elements are crucial in the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, you know what? The Holy Spirit can speak to you directly and convict you and to chasten you and to, and to get you right where he wants you. And he can do the same thing to me individually. You know, convict me and chasten me and get me right where he wants me to be. And together we're the body of Jesus Christ. How far should one be willing to go to avoid causing his brother to stumble as far as giving up personal liberties in Christ? Here's the sad thing. In Galatians chapter 2, Peter is sitting there eating with the Gentiles. And then all of a sudden, the Jews walk in, and what does Peter do? He removes himself completely away from them. And Paul says, Paul rebukes him for it and says, that's not the gospel. That's not the love of Christ. Now here in, in Romans chapter 14, he's saying, food, schmood, it's not a big deal. Why? Because what Peter missed out on was it's about love. It's about unity. It's okay to to disagree with people, to show that kind of love. On these gray areas, these matter of opinion areas. If we violate, though, our conscience, what are we guilty of? Sin. 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 Did I read that right? If we violate our conscience, we are guilty of sin. This is where I don't believe necessarily as a pastor, I would like to spend more time on this, but I don't think it's necessarily pulpit type things. I don't know how much of it should be. If we look at individual soul liberty, if you look at the fact that you have the Holy Spirit, if you go back through and you read chapter 12, chapter 13, and you chapter 14, and you look on those things, this is between you and the Lord. And when you get to that point and you realize, these are my convictions, then teenagers, young adults, older adults, don't break from those convictions. But if it's a gray area, it's not our job to press them onto others. And to be careful. Because when we do that, whether it's stricter or less strict, whatever it is, it's wrong. We've messed up. We've missed the mark. May God help us. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. We do thank you for who you are. We do thank you, God, for this sure word. Your word does not return void. Lord, I do pray that you help us to look back over these passages. Lord, to realize that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will convict us and guide us as you see fit. Lord, as America is becoming more and more of of a... a hub for other cultures and diversities and and these things. Lord, help us to desire unity over our own American traditions, over our own opinions. Help us, Lord, to stand firm on what is truth in your word. Help us, Lord, to teach that to the next generations who are asking so many questions, desiring answers to why, why, why. Lord, may we be willing just to give the simple answer of this is my opinion, this is what I think and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their own personal lives as well. Lord, you're a great God and you are a great father. And Lord, I pray that you will and that we thank you that you guide your children and you even guide the king's heart like the rivers of water. And so Lord, I pray that you will turn our hearts back to you. Lord, we desire to be more like you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you as a personal Savior, they've never heard the truth of the gospel. They've never experienced that type of love. That a, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would come down from his throne in heaven, be born in a manger, to live a perfect, sinless life, and to die on the cross for our sin, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life rise again on the third day, ascend into heaven, and leave us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, if they're not sure about that, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, to realize that we are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. Save us from the penalty of sin, to save us from the power of sin, and to save us from the presence of sin. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. For we ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.